But today I'm going to start a new series, uh, and the title of it is this, Listen Up and Grow Up. Listen Up and Grow Up, and the subtitle, so you understand really what we're talking about, is Pressing On to Spiritual Maturity. When I got saved as a 10-year-old, I never did grow spiritually. I mean, I got saved, I know what I was saved, but I never did grow spiritually. It wasn't till 19 years of age when I really understood what it meant to let Jesus be the boss of my life that I began to grow spiritually. And so there was this group of people who had the same problem in the Bible. The, uh, whoever the writer was of Hebrews, we don't know. But he was writing to Jewish Christians, okay? People who were Jews, they're now Christians. And so he said, you guys have got a problem. It's time for you to listen up and grow up, okay? And so let me show you the passage he talks about this in. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11, 6 through 1, this is kind of our motivation, I mean our text for today. Concerning him, now let me define who he's talking about this. He had just finished talking about this guy in the Old Testament. His name was Melchizedek, okay? Some of you are familiar with his name. He's a very mysterious character in the Old Testament. The Bible said that after Abraham defeated the armies uh, down there at Sodom and Gomorrah and all those, in those areas, he brought a tithe to this mysterious figure named Melchizedek. And it's like... He wanted to go on and talk about this mysterious figure, but he had to stop and said, I can't, I can't go on. You guys couldn't handle this. He says this, concerning him, Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. So by this time you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles, that is the ABCs, of the oracles of God. I got a sermon on that called Kindergarten Christians. A lot of Christians just kindergartners. And you have come to need milk, that's the milk of the word, and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. He's still a baby in Christ. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have trained their senses, senses, to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, leave your ABCs, let us press on to maturity. I need a little audience participation on this, okay? See the words there in orange? I want you to say them out loud to me, and I want you to include yourself in that, okay? So let's just do this. Let us press on to maturity. Let's say it again. Let us press on to maturity. Now, what I'm going to do today is um, I'm going to show you an overview of what we'll be covering in the next four weeks. Um, We're going to talk about today the motivation of spiritual maturity. What is it that will help you get a kickstart to start growing up like I did after years of not growing to... A kickstart when I was 19. The motivation of spiritual maturity. Here's the second thing, the myths of spiritual maturity. There's a lot of thinking that we have out there about how to grow spiritually that's just flat out wrong. And we need to expose those myths. Then the next week we're going to talk about the marks of spiritual maturity. Um, this, this kind of kid, see how he's against the wall there? And uh, you know how your parents used to chart your growth? 
And uh, my dad, you know, he would chart my growth, and on the side he'd put, Lord, help him. He's going to be short all his life, you know, but no. Uh, so God has a chart that you can stand against to tell you if you're growing spiritually or how mature you are spiritually. We're going to take a look at that, the marks of spiritual maturity. And then we're going to take a look at the means of spiritual maturity. Because, see, you, you, it takes more than just you doing it. It takes other things to help you to grow spiritually that are even outside of yourself. So that's kind of the four-point outline. This is kind of funny. I had already planned on uh, in, uh, uh, going uh, to go see my mother to kind of help take care of her and relieve my sisters for a while. And I mapped it out on the calendar, and I finish up this series right before that week that I go to see her. So it's just kind of like the Lord just fit this right in the slot without me marking this out. So here we are, where I believe God wants us to be. And because I know where God wants us to be, I believe God wants to speak to every one of us. Let's bow forward a prayer. Would you pray with me? And let's pray that God would prepare our hearts to hear this. First of all, would you pray, God, help me to listen to this. Help me understand it. Do a mighty work in my heart today. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm convinced that the greatest threat to us as a nation, and I mean, I'm telling you, I just, ugh, it's hard to watch the news. Hard to read the news out of all the chaos and how quickly we're going down. But I am convinced that the greatest threat to our nation is not the loss of our religious liberties. It is not secular media, whether that be news or Hollywood, that ridicules Christians and basically is just telling them now, just sit down and shut up. It is not the woke culture where people think, oh, all of a sudden, I've discovered I'm woke, and there's just a bunch of systematic racism in, in this country, and all this, all this kind of junk that's going on out there that's false. Um, it, it is not the cancel culture where if you say something, you said something 20 years ago that was offensive to somebody, they come back to you in the media and said, you said this 20 years ago and everybody wants to cancel your show and, and the mob mentality. That's not the greatest threat. It's not. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. I got a video of this. This young little boy and his mother are driving by an American flag that are stuck, stuck in the ground. The mother's driving, the boy pulls over, grabs the American flag, picks it up, and throws it down. But that's still not the greatest threat. The greatest threat is not what we call apostasy. The word apostasy means you were claiming that you were a Christian, but now you've totally turned your back on the faith, and you don't want to have anything to do with it. Do you know, I've never seen it like I'm seeing it today some high-profile preachers that are stepping away from the faith and saying they're now an atheist or an agnostic. It's scary. Liberal churches that teach that Jesus uh, was just some kind of uh, normal man, the Bible's full of errors, the virgin birth didn't really happen, and yes, uh, that is prevalent out there. 
That's not the greatest threat. The greatest threat is not false doctrines and the cults and all these, these kind of things. I really believe, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say this, but I really believe it's the greatest threat. The greatest threat to our churches is spiritually immature Christians. You know why I say that? Because God says he, He's not going to start a revival among those people I mentioned. Revival starts in God's people. And I really believe one of the reasons God is allowing this to happen. You know, God could stop all this in a minute if He wanted to. He could strike dead that kid that did that, but He's not going to. You know why I really believe? It's going to take something heavy, 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 heavy duty on God's people for us to wake up and start growing up and being the people God wants us to be. Now, you know, when I was a child, there were certain things that were age-appropriate. I, I loved my BB gun and my pellet gun. Now, I wasn't a great hunter, uh, but boy, I could, I could uh, you know, like shotguns and things like that later on in my life, but I'm telling you what, I have massacred some, massacred some squirrels and massacred some uh, uh, little birds. But you know what? My parents didn't give me a BB gun when I was three years old. Could you imagine that? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you don't give a three-year-old a BB gun, right? You can give them a little Nerf gun. Well, I don't know. Some of them pop your eye out. But here's the deal. You don't give a three-year-old a BB gun because he's not ready to handle it yet. You don't give a 10-year-old a car because they're just not ready to handle it yet. Some of y'all are thinking, you don't give a 16-year-old car. They can't. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I really believe this, that God has great things for this church. I really do. I believe He has more for us. But you know one of the reasons that God, some things God has to do before He gives us more influence, more people, is He has to grow us up a little bit. And when we grow up, we'll be ready to receive what God has for us. And so everything is going according uh, to God's plan. Now, I'm going to show you two things here uh, today as we talk about the motivation for spiritual maturity. What is it that can get you kick-started to where you want to say, you know what? I want to grow up. I need to grow up. All right? First of all, we see in this passage, there is a diagnosis of spiritual immaturity. So here's the writer of the book of Hebrews, and he's looking at this group of Christians, and he's saying, there's a problem here. There's a sickness here. And this sickness is in many of our churches, and this is a spiritual sickness that many of you in this very room may have. The diagnosis of spiritual maturity. And he tells them, Three characteristics that describe them, and these will describe you if you are not maturing spiritually. First of all, he said there's a failure to make application. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 5.11. We quoted it earlier, but just listen to it. Concerning Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. That is, I can't get, get it through your head because you have become dull of hearing. How do we become dull of hearing? Because we hear from God, and we don't do anything about what He told us. We hear from God, we don't make any changes. We hear from God, 
We don't change our lives. We don't apply the Scriptures. And the more we do that, the more we dull our hearing. There's a failure to make application. You know, one thing that I've noticed about us as... uh, is especially Baptists, we are professional listeners. Man, we'll go to... We, listen to this. You get two full sermons here, Sunday morning and Wednesday night. On, uh, you get Sunday school. You get disciple groups, and most of y'all come to that. So you're getting four lessons or sermons a week. And listen, if you continue to listen to things and you don't do what you're being taught, guess what? Your ears are closing to really hear from God. That's why when you are right with God, maybe some little kid will get up and give a testimony about God and it will bless your heart because you're sensitive to the things of God. And that's why some people can listen to a great preacher and they sit there, it's like, did you get anything out of it? I didn't get anything out of it. You know what the problem is? The problem wasn't with the preacher, the problem is with you. You become dull of hearing. Your heart is not sensitive to the Word. And that's what these guys were experiencing. James says this is a dangerous way to live. If you don't apply the Word, listen to what the Bible says in James 1, 21-22. Therefore, putting, all, putting aside all filthiness. You know what the word filthiness there is? I love this word. It's a Greek word, it's called, listen to, the name, listen to this word, this is one of those I love to pronounce. Not that I'm smart, but listen, rupapion. That's the name of that Greek word, Steve. You know what rupapion means? Now this will gross you out. Rupapion means earwax. And you know what James says? Some of y'all are listening to sermons, listening to preaching, you're bored out of your mind, you're not getting anything out of it because you've got so much spiritual earwax, you can't hear from God. And he says, therefore, get rid of that spiritual earwax out of your ears. That is, you repent. That is, you say, God, I'm going to start applying to your word. I'm going to get right with you. All of a sudden, the earwax comes out, and you hear better from God. And he says, get rid of that filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. In humility, receive... See, once you get that unplugged out of your ears and out of your heart, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to grow you spiritually. That's what it literally reads. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who only deceive themselves. Did you get what James says? Don't come to church with earwax. Because you've heard so many sermons and you've not put them into action, you just walk out of here, never changed, and your ears are stopped up with earwax, your heart is covered with the weeds of wickedness because of sinful choices in your lives, and no wonder you don't get anything out of church. Because your ears are plugged up, your heart is tangled up with the affairs of this world. And God says, let me cleanse your ears, let me clean your heart, and guess what? Then... You know what the Bible is compared to a seed? Then you can receive the Word of God into your heart. Guess what happens when you receive the Word of God like seed and your ears are open? That you may grow spiritually. That's the first step. These people weren't getting it because they were dull 
of hearing. Now later on in that passage, it says this. James 1, 23-25. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word... See, everybody here is hearing the Word, are you not? Everybody here is hearing me preach. Everybody here is hearing God's Word. That's good. I'm glad you're here. But it says, For as anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, you don't plan to apply this. He gives an illustration. He's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. You ever get some food stuck in your tooth? And you don't know what's there, and later on you go wash your hands in the bathroom, you look up in the mirror, and there's this big old piece of lettuce right there. You're like, ah! Okay. What do you want to do when you see the lettuce in your teeth in the mirror? Do you, do you sit there and go, oh, that's awful. I'm so embarrassed in front of my date. And you walk back in there with your date, you still got lettuce hanging out of your teeth. Is that what you do? No. You look at the mirror, and you're like, ah! Then you pull out the lettuce, and you go back there, and you sit with your date and say, I'm so embarrassed. And then you want to say, why didn't you tell me I'll kill you? <laughs> right? Okay. When you see the mirror and you look at yourself, you know something's wrong and you want to make a change. Hey, listen to this. This morning, I'm holding up the mirror of the Word of God. See that? What I'm preaching is saying this to you. You need to start applying God's Word, not just listening to it. You can, hey, listen, the more you listen to, the less you apply, the harder your heart will get and the more dull your hearing will get. There, something automatically will happen as you walk out of this door today. Something automatically will happen. You'll either receive it and you'll grow up, decide to make some changes in your life, or you'll walk out, even if you say, well, that was an interesting sermon. You walk out, never give it a thought again, and you know what happens? Earwax. Deception. Self-deception happens. You will not walk out, you will walk out of here with a choice. Do I want to unplug my ears? Do I want my life to change? Or am I just going to go on as usual? So that's the first thing. But then he says this. Just listen to this verse. James again. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. As he applies it, not having become a not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. So, the first thing that these people did was there was a failure to make application of the word of God. They heard the word of God, but they didn't do the word of God, and as a result, dull of hearing. Now, here's the next thing: there's a failure to feed ourselves. A failure to feed ourselves. Listen to what this same passage in Hebrews says. For though by this time, that is in your spiritual life, you ought to be teachers. We'd say this, by this time, you've been sitting in a Sunday school class so long, you ought to be teaching a Sunday school class. That's what he'd say today. But you have need again for someone to teach you the ABCs of the Word of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food for everyone who partakes only of milk, that is the milk of the Word, is not accustomed to the Word of righteousness, for he is a babe, a spiritual babe. Now, it's natural to feed milk to little babies. I mean, when a baby is born, you don't pop a hamburger in its face, right? That's not natural. 
the natural thing is for little babies to drink milk. And they want it, and they crave it. And they let you know when they're hungry, okay? And, and there, there is a place for that. It's natural for a baby to drink milk. But then you want that baby to mature. You want it to graduate to the sippy cup. Then you want it to graduate to eating some small little those little nasty Gerber things like that, but somehow they'll still eat it. You want it to get used to soft food. Then you want it to get a baby to get used to harder food. There's that progression. But you know what would be weird? Is uh, it's one thing if Gail were to take uh, uh, one of our little grandbabies, and uh, well, they're all older than this now. They're all weaned off the bottle, but let's just say, look, and she would sit there to hold a bottle right there, feed that baby. We'd say, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? Isn't that pretty? Isn't that wonderful? She's such a good grandmother, and she's real cute too. But she's a, she's, she's a wonderful grandmother like that. But could you imagine, Christina, you're 13, right? Could you imagine if Christina were laying there in Gail's lap and she had a bottle up on Christina? You wouldn't say how sweet that is. You'd say, what in the world is wrong with that child? You know what the Bible says? That when we get saved, we are born again. We're spiritual babies. But tell me, some of us have been saved 13 years and we still have to have the milk bottle from the pastor every, mo- every Sunday morning. We still have to have the milk bottle from the Sunday school teacher every Sunday morning. And throughout the week, we don't feed ourselves. God's Word. And one of the marks of spiritual immaturity, not only is you fail to apply the Word, but you're not even feeding yourself during the week. That's why Bible study and reading God's Word is so important for you to do that every day. Man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but on every word that proceeds out of the Word of God. Now here's the next thing. There's a failure to know right from wrong. Because they don't make application, because they don't stay in the Word every day themselves, they really don't have spiritual discernment. They, and this is not necessarily talking about, per se, good versus evil. This is like the wrong direction, the right direction, the way that God wants you to go. And so there's this failure of spiritual discernment. You can't determine good from evil. You can't tell the one way from the right way. You can't walk with confidence. This is the direction God wants you to go. There is no spiritual discernment. When people like this, who've not grown spiritually, listen to people on TV, and they do, and they hear, they'll tell me, man, this guy's a great preacher. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That guy is a rank heretic. How can you listen to that and not see that? You know why? Because they're babes in Christ. They haven't grown enough to mature to say, something's wrong with this teaching. Red flags, something's wrong. That contradicts this. That isn't what the Bible says. You know why? Because they don't know what the Bible says. They haven't trained their mind to discern right from wrong. Listen to what the Bible says, Hebrews 5.14. But solid food, that is the stakes of the Word of God, is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good from evil. There is a failure to know right from wrong. Now here's here's the deal. Okay, so we got a diagnosis. Can you see yourself in this? I I don't apply God's Word. I listen to it. I'm a good person, but I don't apply God's Word to my life. I don't try to live it out. 
I don't spend time in God's Word chewing on it, reflecting on it. I, I don't feed myself. I just get fed once a week by the preacher or the Sunday school teacher. I, I, I don't know what spiritual discernment means. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I don't even know how to determine the will of God for my life. Now see, if, you can, if that's you, you're spiritually immature. That's a diagnosis. Now that's okay if you first got saved. You're a baby in Christ. But my goodness, there are people who have been saved 10, 20, 30 years who are still spiritual babies. I really believe this, and I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you facts. When I got right with God as a 19-year-old, I started reading my Bible, I mean voraciously. And I think God gave me a hunger like that because, I mean, I would read it hours a day. I would listen to Charles Stanley sermons all the time. I was massively feeding myself. And I think within about one year, now I hope you understand my heart. I think in about one year, I was more spiritually mature than most of the people in that church. And so you can start today when you realize there is a problem. You've got a sickness. You're spiritually immature. One of my Sunday school teachers, uh, who was a really godly woman, decided to teach the oldest ladies class. She felt led in one of the churches I, I pastored. And she went in there and began to teach them. And she said, Brother Jeff, you would be amazed at those ladies in their 80s. They don't have a clue about the Bible. 80 years old, still babes in Christ. The diagnosis of spiritual immaturity. Now here's the prescription. If you're sick, you got a diagnosis, you got to have a prescription. What is God's prescription for spiritual immaturity? Well, first, and this is quick, sounds simple, put away spiritual immaturity. Make a decision in your mind, a definite decision. You know what? I'm a baby in Christ. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be the 13-year-old church member 13 years of being saved and still on the baby bottle with the pastor. Make a decision today, I want to grow spiritually. No more baby Christian. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be in the green pastures of God's Word grazing every day. I'm going to be in the greenhouse. You know what the church is? The church is a greenhouse where we grow spiritually. I'm going to be in the greenhouse. I'm choosing to be spiritually mature. Another word right for that is repent. God, I've headed in the wrong direction. I've went the wrong way, but today I repent. I'm choosing spiritual maturity. Listen to what the next... Uh, Key is to make a decision, a definite decision. Today forward, I'm going to press on to spiritual maturity. That's, you know what that word means here? That is, that's not just my sermon point. That's actually what the Bible's told them to do. He said, now, press on toward maturity. The word press on there in its Greek language has the idea of a runner who's like, the finish line, he, he wants to get there so bad, he ducks down and he just puts all of his effort toward it. And he said, from now on, you got to say I was a spiritual baby, no longer, and from now on, for the rest of my life, I'm going to press in. I'm going to read God's Word. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to get in the greenhouse of His Word, the greenhouse of His church, and from now on to the end of my life, I am pressing toward spiritual maturity. Now, here's a question. 
How do you do that? How do you press on to spiritual maturity? Well, this is really wild. You do the reverse of the bad stuff. You do the reverse. Number one, start applying what you heard. You going to apply this message? You going to walk out of here and say, you know what? The Bible's right. I'm a babe in Christ. No more. I'm going to obey what I heard today. Number two, start feeding yourself on the Word. You're going to get up in the morning or even tonight and you start reading the Bible. Let me suggest that you start off in the Psalms. Don't go to Leviticus. Please don't go to Leviticus. Start off in the Psalms. Then start off after that, go to the book of John. Then after that, talk to me and I'll help you find some other places you ought to read. But start grazing in the Psalms. All right, start feeding yourself on God's Word. And I'm going to remind you, here's what will happen. If you feed yourself on God's Word, even if you don't understand it, God's still doing a work in your mind through it. Even though you don't see it, God's still renewing your mind. He is giving you discernment. He is training your mind. He's cleansing your mind. He's giving perception to your mind. Even if you feel nothing, even if you don't understand what you're reading, it still does that. That's why you've got to stay consistent. So start feeding yourself on the Word. And here's the other thing is, when God shows you which way is best for you, which way is wrong for you, you keep choosing to do what's right. And then you will grow spiritually. Would you bow your heads in prayer? I'm calling to you to a decision. The first decision that I'm calling you to, I want you to just, just do it in your own heart. If you're a spiritual baby and you recognize it this morning, would you confess it as sin before God? I'm not talking about those of you who just got saved. I'm talking about those of you who've been saved for a while and you're still babies. For those of you, would you just say, God, I'm a spiritual baby. I'm acting immature. And then secondly, would you say to God, I repent of that sin of being a baby Christian. And then would you say something like this? But I'm going to obey what I heard this morning. I'm going to get into your word. And I'm going to get into your greenhouse. And begin to grow and flourish. To be the man of God and the woman of God you want me to be. Now here's the next thing. We head bows, I close still. You can't grow spiritually unless you're born spiritually. And so if you've never been saved, I invite you to come first. And let Jesus do a miracle in your heart. You will be born spiritually today. Perhaps there's something else that's on your heart that you just need to pray about, maybe at this altar. And just get right before God, even at this altar. That's what I did when I was 19. No more games, God. No more games. And I laid at the altar, surrendered it to Him. Now, Father, would you bless this invitation time? Have your own will and way, for we ask this in Jesus' name.